Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm Chris Terracon, subbing today for Carrie and Tholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Canarak and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Canarak was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and, as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and, in the alternative, because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our review of defense attorney Edward Belinkus' cross-examination of Mr. Goodwin, as he tried to impeach the credibility of the witness's account of the shooting itself. In this installment, we cover the conclusion of Mr. Goodwin's testimony as well as the prosecution's direct examination of Detective Andreas Zaharopoulos of the Morris County Crime Scene Investigation Unit. That's all coming up right after the break. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At the end of our last episode, defense attorney Edward Belinkus concluded his cross-examination of Robert Goodwin. As we begin today, Judge Stephen Taylor invites prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn to begin his redirect examination of the witness. Mr. Goodwin, you were asked questions about when the township officials came to the property. Did you meet with any of the township officials? I recall talking to them when I dropped the paperwork off at the, um, the clerk's office. But I'm asking specifically when they came to the property, did you speak to them at all? I don't believe I interacted with them. Were you at the barn at any point when they were at the barn? I was. Were you in the area where Michael Barrison was? I was, and the barn's a long aisle. Now, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your statement. Do you still have that in front of you? I do. And I believe that's been marked as Defendant's Exhibit 100E5. Correct. That's the statement that Mr. Belinkus referred to as your official version of the events? Correct. Now, he asked you at some point whether you heard the shots against Lauren or saw the shots against Lauren. Yes. Do you remember what you testified to on direct yesterday? Uh, that I saw Michael shoot Lauren. And I'm going to direct your attention to page 30. About halfway down the page, do you see a line that says SG? So SG you... in the midway, yes. Just uh, one, yes. And it says SG. Is that Detective Sasha Gould? I think she's one of the detectives I talked with. And it says she asked you, so you see him take the gun out, you see him actually firing at Lauren. And your response is yes? Correct. So you told that to the police on August 7th, 2019? Yeah. Does it sound familiar that this statement began at approximately 5.09 that afternoon? I wouldn't know what time it was. And if I direct your attention to page one, if you look at the last paragraph on page one, does that refresh your memory of approximately what time that statement began? I don't think it's that inaccurate. Do you remember approximately what time the shooting happened? Two o'clock. So you gave a statement to the police that was recorded at the police station approximately two hours after the shooting. Correct. Three hours. I'm three. Sorry. Three. My math is, is off. 
Now, you were also asked uh, questions about whether you had walked down the stairs and off the porch. Do you remember that question? Uh, yes, I very vividly. And I think Mr. Belinkus asked you, did you step off of the porch and down onto the patio area? I think Mr. Belinkus was confused about the right, hold, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't opine on just Mr. Belinkus' state of mind, Sorry. all right? Just answer the question, please. Thank you. So my question was, do you remember the question about whether you stepped off the porch onto the patio area? I do. And what was your answer to that question? No. Now I'm going to direct your attention to, I believe, page 28. And down at the bottom of page 28, where you asked questions about when Lauren came to get you. Does it say, Detective Sasha Gould asked, where are you actually? Are you still on the in the house or you're on the porch now at this point? And did you respond, I was in the house, I came down the stairs, I think I handed off the phone to Lauren because unintelligible on the phone with the attorney. I walked outside and he said, you know, how could we end this? You know, looking really sincere. I mean, she said on the front porch and you said, yeah. So you told the police on August 7th, 2019, that you were on the porch while you were talking to Michael Barrison. Correct. And I think the last thing I wanted to clear up was the question about whether you went into the house or stayed on the porch at the time of the shooting. Do you remember that series of questions? Yes. And specifically on page, for example, three, in the beginning, probably the fifth line down of that first, second uh, main paragraph, is that a paragraph of your statements to the police? That's you speaking. It says RG in the left-hand side. Yeah, I'm just trying to read it real quick. I, I'm going to direct you to where oh. you need to read. I'm just asking. Yeah, that's 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 my paragraph. So that's you speaking there, right? Yes. And about the fifth line down, do you see on the left column where it says shot at me? Yes. Does it say shot at me? I kind of ran in the house, and then he started coming in as well. I didn't run. I didn't ran in the house just, you know, because the incident was going on. I didn't know what to do. I ducked in the house, and then I realized, like, what the hell am I doing? And I kind of turned around. Yeah, I think, yeah. So did you actually go inside the house or not? I dove in the house. How far into the house did you go? It was a very small room. I dove far enough. I felt like I was protected from the shots being fired at me. I just wanted to get behind cover. No further questions, Jeff. All right. Thank you. Edward Belinkus rises for recross, but is quickly admonished by Judge Taylor. Mr. Goodwin, did you also say on page 30... I think she ran, like, around the house. That's an Mr. Belinkus, that's not... Is that anything it, about that. Yeah, that's, an, that's not a, a recross question, and it has to be in response to what was brought up on redirect. Do you have any questions about what Mr. Shellhorn brought up? No. All right. All right, you may step down. Thank you. After Robert Goodwin steps down from the stand and before the prosecution calls their first expert witness, Judge Taylor instructs the jury on how they should assess such expert testimony. So as a general rule, ladies and gentlemen, witnesses can testify only as to facts known by them. This rule ordinarily does not permit the opinion of a witness to be received as evidence. However, an exception to this rule exists in the case of an expert witness who may give his or her opinion as to any matter in which he or she is versed and which is material to the case. In legal terminology, an expert witness is a witness who has some special knowledge, skill, experience, or training that is not possessed by the ordinary juror and who thus may be able to provide assistance to the jury in understanding the evidence presented and determine the facts in the case. In this case, expert witnesses may be called by the state and defendant. And as I said, the state does intend to call 
at least one and possibly two witnesses this afternoon who they will offer as expert witnesses. Please bear in mind that you are not bound by such experts' opinions, but you should consider each opinion and give it the weight to which you deem it is entitled, whether that be great or slight, or you may reject it. In examining each opinion, you may consider the reasons given for it, if any, and you may also consider the qualifications and credibility of the expert. It is always within the special function of the jury to determine whether the facts on which the answer or testimony of an expert is based actually exist. The value or weight of the opinion of the expert is dependent upon and no stronger than the facts on which it is based. In other words, the probative value of the opinion will depend upon whether from all the evidence in the case you find that those facts are true. You may in fact determine from the evidence in this case the facts that form the basis of the opinion are true or not true or are true in part only. And in light of such findings, you should decide what effect such determination has upon the weight to be given to the opinion of the expert. Your acceptance or rejection of the expert opinion will depend therefore to some extent on your findings as to the truth of the facts relied upon. The ultimate determination of whether or not the state has proven defendant's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt is to be made only by the jury. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn calls his first expert witness of the trial, Detective Andreas Zaharopoulos of the Morris County Crime Scene Investigation Unit. Zaharopoulos wears his dress blue uniform, his head is shaved, and his eyebrows are dark and thick. After introducing himself and describing his position as a CSI to the jury, Shellhorn asks him, Approximately how long have you been assigned to that? Approximately six years. Have you ever held any other positions or assignments with the Sheriff's Office? Yes. What was that? Uh, when I first was hired, I was assigned to the Protective Services Unit, which is here in the courthouse. I'm going to ask you some questions about your qualifications. Uh, can you tell the jury about your level of education? Uh, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Rutgers. And do you have any specialized tra training with regard to crime scene investigation? Yes. What was that? Uh, when I was first assigned to the crime scene unit, I attended the state police crime scene school, which is approximately six weeks. And after that, I, throughout the years, I've attended numerous courses. Do you have any specialized training with respect to shooting analysis and reconstruction? Yes. Can you give the jury a summary of that training? Uh, I've taken basic uh, shooting reconstruction as well as advanced shooting reconstruction. So approximately 120 hours of training solely on shooting analysis and reconstruction. Have you ever instructed uh, any courses with respect to crime scene or crime scene investigation? Yes. Have you ever investigated any shooting incidents during the course of your career as a detective? Yes. Can you tell the jury approximately how many shooting incidents you've investigated? I have been to approximately 60 uh, different shooting incidents, 30 of which I have investigated. Meaning that you were the primary investigator? Correct. Can you tell the jury when you say uh, shooting incidents, what type of incidents that would uh, include? 
I've responded to anything from accidental discharges to suicides, uh, attempted homicides, homicides with accidental discharges being uh, law enforcement or uh, people inside their own homes. Uh, can you define the term shooting reconstruction? What does that mean? It's an analysis of a shooting scene. And mm -hmm. what are you attempting to do in that analysis? We determined through uh, evidence at a scene, we determined to try to find from where a projectile uh, was fired from. What's a projectile to the, the common person? A bullet. Are there any principles you follow in conducting a shooting reconstruction? We use sci the scientific methods, mathematics, physics, to try and determine a path of a projectile. Are there limits on what you can determine? Yes. Judge, at this point, I would like to offer Detective Zaharopoulos as an expert in the field of shooting reconstruction. Judge Taylor qualifies the witness as an expert without objection from the defense, and Prosecutor Shellhorn begins his questioning about the investigation conducted by the detective. Detective, when you respond to a shooting incident to undertake a shooting reconstruction, what type of evidence do you begin by looking for? Uh, we look to see if there's anything, potentially uh, casings that we might find, defects, uh, whether it be into a window, a car, a door, a house, uh, anything like that where we can find uh, any type of defect. Does the surface or material that's involved with the defect have any impact on your reconstruction? Yes. Can you explain that? Well, each surface responds differently to force. Uh, if you have, uh, I would expect that a projectile would perforate a drywall. Uh, I wouldn't expect it to go through brick. Glass is another thing that a projectile could go through. Are there any particular tools that you use in conducting your reconstruction? Yes. Can you tell the jury what some of the tools are? Uh, typically, uh, in shooting reconstruction, we utilize flight path rods, uh, angle finders, protractors, lasers. What's a flight path rod? It's approximately 18 inches in length, a rod uh, made out of either fiberglass or metal that we use to put through or into a defect to determine the flight path or the angle of a projectile. For those people who may not remember what a protractor is from elementary school, can you remind us? It's a measuring instrument used to measure angles. Now I want to draw your attention back to August 7th of 2019. Were you working for the sheriff's office on that day? Yes. Were you working in your capacity as a crime scene investigation unit detective? Yes. Do you remember what shift you were working that day? I believe I was working the morning shift. And would that continue through into the afternoon? Correct, eight to four. Now, how does, uh, in general, CSI typically become involved in an investigation? We are a supporting agency. We support uh, and respond to any municipality within Morris County or the prosecutor's office if they require our assistance for a particular uh, crime scene. Is the only thing you do with as a member of CSI shooting reconstruction or do you undertake other aspects of crime scene investigation? I have other assignments within the unit. Now, specifically on August 7th of 2019, do you recall if you were made aware of a shooting incident at 411 West Mill Road in Washington Township? Yes. Did you go to that address? I did. Do you remember approximately what time you arrived? I believe somewhere around three o'clock, possibly at just after three. Were there other members of CSI present at various times during that investigation? Yes. What was your assignment or responsibility with respect to this investigation? Uh, my assignment was to conduct the shooting reconstruction as well as to utilize a video camera and document uh, the scene. How was that role or responsibility determined? Through our supervisors and the different officers on scene, we discuss, we get together who was going to do what task. Do you recall what the weather was like that afternoon? On my approach to the scene, uh, I was transporting a uh, our command trailer, and it was downpouring on 
my approach to the scene. Now you mentioned taking video. Can you just explain that process to the jury? Typically, uh, our video cameras, we place an SD card inside, and then as I approach the scene, just videotape the outside of the home, and then I went inside and uh, videotaped the interior side of the house as well. Do you do that before or after taking photos? That is conducted after we take photographs. Do you do the video before or after collecting evidence? Before. What's the reason for that sequence? The purpose of videotaping is just like photography initially. You want to document the scene as is without disturbing anything. Did you actually take a video in this case? Yes. And after you did that, did you then turn your attention to the uh, shooting reconstruction? Yes. So taking your attention back to August 7th, 2019, how did you begin your shooting reconstruction? I took my own camera and began photographing uh, the primary scene of where the shooting took place with the first defect, which was the, the door. Can you remind the jury what you were looking for as initial uh, evidence? Uh, I was instruct, well, I was advised by Detective Bailey, who was the crime scene detective for CSI, and locate, that he had located two projectile casings on the gravel driveway. And with that, I also had it up, I observed the defect on the door. And that's how I determined a start point uh, for my analysis. Is your focus in conducting a reconstruction on determining who shot the gun? No. Did you observe any bullet defects in the farmhouse? In the farmhouse? Yes. yes. Can you tell the jury where you observed those defects? The first defect was uh, on the door. Then inside this laundry room area, there was a black mat that was hanging. It was a, like a ricochet or um, a graze to it. And then there was an exit defect on the window behind it. Did you take photos of all those defects? Yes. What's the process that you go through with uh, examining each separate defect? Each defect is photographed. Then I looked at them one-to-one uh, -one with a uh, ruler up against it just to get the correct uh, accurate measurements of each defect. And then from there, I started using the flight path rod to determine an angle of it. Now, before we discuss the specifics of the conclusions uh, that you reached, uh, were you able to reach any conclusions with respect to those bullet defects? Yes. Well, what did you conclude? Uh, I concluded that the projectile in the defect to the door was from the outside going in, and I also determined a certain angle uh, up and down and left to right as to how it entered the, the door. Did you document those conclusions in a report? Yes. The prosecutor next introduces as evidence a diagram of the area of the Barrisone farm where the shooting took place. What is S389 a diagram of? It's a diagram of the farmhouse. And is this a fair and accurate diagram based on your involvement in the investigation on August 7, 2019? Yes. Prosecutor Shellhorn next takes the detective through a series of photographs and asks the witness to relate objects in those photographs to markings on the diagram. Detective Zaharopoulos identifies shell casings near Michael Barrison's truck. He also identifies defects in glass door panes of the patio door of the farmhouse both outside and inside the door. Shellhorn follows up by asking, was there any difference in the glass on the exterior or outside of the door from the glass on the interior or the inside of the door? There was a difference. Can you explain to the jury what the difference was? Uh, in a shooting, especially when it comes to glass, you can determine uh, the entrance and exit of a defect. Uh, the back side or the exit side of a defect produces a cone shaped or a crater. When the, the force of the projectile striking the glass forces the glass on the inside to basically shatter outwards, causing that crater and it has a rough surface. 
And did that help you determine the entrance and exit sides of the, the window? Yes. After showing the detective a series of detailed photographs of the defects both inside and outside the door, Shellhorn asks, Detective, is there any significance to the pattern in the glass uh, around the defect? Uh, this uh, breaking of the glass has different fracturing, and you have radial, concentric, and concordial fracturing. And what does that uh, tell you? The first type of fractures you get in a shooting scene of glass is radial fractures. Those are, if you see from where the opening is or the defect itself, how the lines radiating outwards, uh, linear, like straight out, those are the <clears throat> radial fractures. They are the first fractures that occur when a projectile strikes uh, glass. What about the other uh, types of fractures? The other fractures that you see basically going in almost circular around it are the concentric uh, fracturing. And then just where the uh, defect is broken right there is the concordial fracture or the beveling. And is there any significance to those fractures? Uh, the concentric is just, they occur after the radial fracturing. And then the concordial is uh, the smoothest or the how the, it bevels. Now, what is the material to the left of the glass in this picture? That was uh, the vinyl wood combination of the paneling of the door. And it appears to be broken in this picture? Correct. Were you able to determine, or did that have any significance to your reconstruction? Yes. Can you explain that to the jury? Uh, in this situation, because the size of the defect, you couldn't have the, a perfect angle with the flight path rod to stay in place. However, with the correlation of the other defects, I was able to get the flight path of the defect. The prosecutor next shows the witness another series of photos and asks him to describe how he came to determine the flight path of the bullets. Can you describe for the jury the process that you did with the flight path rod using S-264 to assist you? So because of the, the glass that had fractured, I was able to get an area convergence of the glass, basically following those lines back to where the defect entered. And from that moment, that was where I placed the rod. With the rod, I had used uh, lasers to line up with the exit defect to get the flight path of the projectile. So are you indicating that you had one flight path rod in the door and another one on the defect in the window? No, just one was used. And you were able to line it up with the laser? Correct. And did the laser, what did the laser show you? The laser uh, showed me the uh, flight path of the projectile going back, as well as going forward outside of the residence. And as far as inside the residence here in S-264, did that bullet defect in the door match the same flight path as the bullet defect in the window? All three defects correlated with each other. Were you able to render opinions then based on the flight path of the projectile, based on your observations at the scene, as well as your shooting reconstruction? Yes. I'm showing you what's been marked as S390. What is S390 a diagram of? That is a diagram of the flight path of the projectile. And this is an overhead diagram of the flight path? Yes. Can you tell the jury where that flight path is in this picture? It is between where the first uh, target defect was on the door and the front of the red pickup truck. Was that bullet mm -hmm. defect at some sort of an upward or downward angle? That was on an upward angle. And so what does that mean for where the barrel of the gun was at the time that the gun was shot? In response to the shooting analysis, the front of the barrel was right where the near, approximately where the front of the pickup truck was. 
that it started at the front of the pickup truck? Correct. That you're saying that's where the gun was at the time it was fired? The front of the muzzle, yes. The muzzle of the gun was at the base of the pickup well, truck? Well, the trajectory fired. of the flight path, somewhere in between the front of the pickup truck and the door. Are you able to give any opinion on the height of the muzzle of the gun when it was fired? No. And why is that? Uh, we didn't have height or distance determination of anything to determine that. So I guess, does that mean there were certain factors that you didn't know in this case to be able to assist you with that? Correct. Are you able to determine whether those shell casings that you discussed at the beginning are consistent with or connected to this bullet defect that you, you discussed? No. Why not? Because with the casings, you can't determine what type of ammunition was fired and to a, what created the defect. Are all your opinions that you provided today within a reasonable degree of practical certainty? Yes. Shellhorn concludes this direct examination by asking the witness to demonstrate on the diagram his assessment of the trajectory of the bullet in question. So detective, if you could just point out the line that you were indicating was the flight path you determined based on the bullet defects. Between the door and the front of the barrel. And that was at an upward angle from the direction of the truck into the house? Correct. Thank you, Judge. No further questions. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we cover the cross-examination of Detective Andreas Zaharopoulos of the Morse County Crime Scene Investigation Unit, as well as the beginning of the prosecution's direct examination of Morris County Forensic Examiner William Stitt. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's Amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>